Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Esoteric Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast detailing some of our insights and opinions into the industry of gaming. So I'm Per, and with me, I got my two co-hosts, Lex, who's on the air. Welcome. Hello. And Dez. Hello, hello. And today, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start our discussion off with a look into sort of the... um, kind of the interesting developments that are happening between three games that are pretty much identical in nature. And that is Fault, Predecessor, and Overprime, or more commonly known now as Paragon, the Overprime. And then after that, Lex is going to be discussing something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is publishing incomplete games under the guise of early access and what that looks like for us gamers and then finally des is going to finish us off tonight with a section about rtx as an example of hardware vendors pushing out new technology so without further ado let's take an esoteric dive into the world of gaming all right so the year is a long time ago. <laughs> it was probably around 2018-ish, I would say, when um, Epic Games... You definitely are young if you call that a long time ago. <laughs> that was like yesterday for me. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Uh, so Epic Games released uh, or was working on a game called Fortnite. Uh, but it wasn't just Fortnite. It was Fortnite Save the World. And what happened was it was generally very successful the trailer looked interesting i actually played the game quite extensively it was a lot of fun and this game was about kind of building forts using wood and stone and then going and protecting these like sort of like if you want to think like your base against a zombie horde and actually it was a really awesome game um but then one thing led to another and a mod of a mod of a mod led to the battle royale genre kind of popping out of in popping into existence and from this, uh, Epic Games kind of saw dollar signs in their eyes and was like, all right, cool beans. You know what? Let's make Fortnite, right? And it was Fortnite Battle Royale, right? Now, yep. why this is important is because during this time, there was actually a game that was kind of, I would say, at the forefront of the Unreal Engine's technology in terms of graphical processing, things like this. And really... It really had what I would consider to be probably one of the most beautiful examples of what the Unreal Engine can really do and muster. And that was a MOBA by the name of Paragon. Now, at the time, at the time of this all, MOBAs were like pretty much all the rage. Like there was um, like there was Dota 2, obviously. Then we had League of Legends. We had Smite. Uh, we had, I'm forgetting one in particular that was very popular. Can I forget? what it was called but there was there was a few that were out there in the market space and so mobiles were pretty popular and it's funny that it kind of was like almost like a new era of gaming like we were we were coming out of the when like fps's and like zombie games and then it was like so that's why like fortnite save the world was being built and then from there it went into mobas right and then from there it went into battle royales and so unfortunately because of epic's sort of you know they had to make some tough decisions and one of the tough decisions that they had to make was essentially canning fort uh canning uh paragon 
So they essentially said, okay, we're no longer supporting Paragon. But it really was one of those games that had developed quite a cult following because it was a unique game. It really was something special because, like I said, it was beautiful. It was an absolute beautiful game. Actually, this is a funny thing that you might find funny, Des, is actually I upgraded my graphics card because of Paragon. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I because it was so beautiful. Like, it was such a beautiful game. And I think I went from like... <laughs> This would have been when I had my gaming laptop actually back then. So I think I like I upgraded to like a 750. And like that was like, oh, we were we were in money when I got a 750. I was like, oh, this is the, this is the time to be alive. And so, yeah, that's that's that a while ago in ancient history and graphics cards. Okay. Right? So, so they have a beautiful game. They have a concept that's very popular. Why can't it? Like, is it just not, they didn't see any players? Was it costing too much money to make? Similar to what we saw with Scavengers, I would say, what happened was, and I was around for when this occurred, they had sort of an item system in place, right? So, you know, a typical MOBA, you buy items to upgrade your character throughout the match, right? But then they went to this card-based system. And I would argue that this card-based system was very innovative. It was sort of like mix and match cards together. It wasn't like you buy an item. It was more of like, you buy a set of cards, essentially, right? And this is how you go about doing this, which I found very innovative and very cool. I was like, wow, this is this you know, is really neat. That's actually, that concept is like board games did that. And then there were a few games that started like bringing that into computer games, video games. It does add, it's amazing how much a card mechanic can add to a game. So it's interesting that they tried that. Well, and... Further to the point, this is at the time when we're seeing games like, you know, Slay the Spire come out and other, um, That's exactly uh, Hearthstone, Hearthstone as well was coming out. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So this isn't, it's sort of like they were following the trend, right? They were following what the trend was doing and, and, and it was a pretty innovative idea, but unfortunately it split the community in half. And another big decision that they made was they started adding a sprint to the game. So, uh, Heroes of the Storm. That's the other MOBA I was thinking of. Heroes of the Storm was a very popular MOBA, which is now gone. There, there's no longer any Heroes of the Storm. But it was a, it was like they had mount system, right? Like you could summon a mount, right? And then you you rode really quickly to the battle. And it was the idea about making quick matches, right? Like 20-minute matches kind of thing. Which, it's funny because really MOBAs are more about the strategy, right? In this, in this yeah. whole picture. Right. And that's the danger that's the danger to an FPS, right? You just the the thing about MOBAs or the ones I've played is that they they're laid out to be that kind of game. But when you actually if it, it as I understand this is a first person shooter, right? You actually play in the games like you're in the game, is that what it's like? I hadn't played Par it, so. Paragon? It's a third yeah. person shooter. Yeah, third person okay. shooter. Yeah. So I, there just seems to be sort of this when you're actually in that environment, there's a desire to add a whole bunch of mechanics that wouldn't necessarily make sense in the other type of formats. I'm curious to see if that's what they were thinking. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. And it, it, so what makes it very interesting is they actually did something similar where they added a sprint system to Paragon to make it so that, you know, you could get to because these maps were big, right? This map was a generous map in size, right? And the biggest issue was... Well, at least the biggest perceived issue, let's go that direction, was the idea that you just couldn't get to battles fast enough, right? That the ganks happened a lot less, things like that, which, I mean, 
It just means your map is too small or too, you made your map too big. Yeah. Max that, big. but also I would say that what it did allow for at least was a little bit more strat, like the slow play, like the slow burn, like a game of risk, for instance, right? Like a little bit more of a slow burn. Um, but you know, as trends be, this is what happened, right? They did all these things to the game and essentially it split the community, split the community, split the community. So like it's, it's cutting, they're cutting the community pie half, 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 half till you get to the point where there's just this tiny slice of pie left, right? And that's and that's just my opinion. And and that's, you know, a general consensus from the community. And so they can't the game, right? They can the game because it just wasn't coming even obviously as close to the amount of money that Fortnite Battle Royale was going to be making them. Which I mean, in all fairness, now that we're now this now that this scenario is in the history books when we look upon it now, it was the right decision to make. It really was. Like you know, Paragon wasn't even coming close. It was quite a niche genre in an already overcrowded market, right? It could be argued that Fortnite Battle Royale took a very mature style of game, such as the Battle Royale genre. From So like PUBG, PUBG was a very kind of mature take on the Battle Royale genre, right? And they took that genre and said, what if we added cartoons to this, right? What if we take this game that's about guns and, and shooting people and put it in a cartoon format, right? And, and deliver it in that kind of palpable manner. And that's what they did, right? So now let's fast forward a little bit in time here. And what we're dealing with is, uh, actually it's a fellow Canadian studio. <laughs> so get this, it was a company called Strange Matter uh, Studios. I think that's, yeah, that was kind of the name, Strange, Strange Matter. Let's go with that for instance. So Strange Matter comes out with a game called Fault. Now, what had happened was, I don't know what kind of decisions were made behind closed doors, obviously, but Epic Games, in an unparalleled move, decided to release 12, that's one, two, 12 million dollars in game assets to the community for free. Like, pretty much, they, they open-sourced Paragon, which is unheard. That'd be like if Call of Duty all of a sudden were like, you know what, we're done doing Call of Duty here's the billion dollars of assets we've made over time or like battlefield for instance doing something similar right which wow it's unparalleled like you, you don't a, see that's that incredible yeah so strange matter what they did essentially was they were like okay cool beans uh, like like you talk we were talking remember last week when we were talking about how mobile games like if you were a triple a developer lex that you can make a mobile game for a third of the cost and third of the studio power and it get like three times the results right in terms of your monetary gains right yep yeah and so the thing is is that's kind of what happened here right so you have 12 million dollars worth of like high quality almost like unreal five level assets to make up to make this game and that's what they did they made fault but the biggest issue was behind fault was once again kind of like scavengers and and like it's unfortunate because you do have this rabid fan base. You did. You had it did gain a cult following, such as myself included, right? But essentially, they didn't market it. They didn't market it. They, I, I never heard wind of it really at any in any degree. And the biggest issue too was the fact that a lot of the heroes, similar to the Heroes of the Storm, so Heroes of the Storm, if you're unfamiliar with Heroes of the Storm, they locked a lot of their heroes behind. Um, I would say pay walls exactly, but earn walls. Let's go that direction. So you could pay, you could pay to get the hero, or you could earn the hero through long hours of gameplay, and that was the same deal. So essentially, fault 
uh <laughs> well it's kind of funny the name really it's kind of ironic but to their fault um decided to make these decisions and then in november of this this year uh you probably guessed it fault was canceled by strange matter so fault was no longer in the running but the story doesn't end so that that's typically probably where the story would end it'd be like all right and fault failed the end no so there is two companies out here right now competing for pretty much the fate of the Paragon community universe, if you want to think of like that. And that is Ometa Studios and another company. And I thought at first it was Netmarble, but it's not. It's actually a company called Soleve or T Team Soleve. So the two competitors that we're dealing with here are Team Soleve essentially are, if you want to think of it, like they're like a... They're like a bunch of fans that got together to mod the game together. So think of it like that. So they're so they're a bunch of uh, fans from Asia that got together and were like, you know what? We want to make Paragon. We have all the assets. We just need the modding. Like, and they just made it right, and they made it happen. Now you also have Ometa, and Ometa is from there. I'm not exactly too sure where they're from. Well, they're from Europe. I know that part. So Ometa is from Europe, and they also have. Um, I wouldn't say they have necessarily like, uh, you know, the same sort of maybe backing necessarily, because here's the deal. So there's kind of some big things that happened between Ometa and, uh, and team soul leave. So team soul leave, get this, their name comes from the idea that they wanted to put their souls and heart into the game development, but that if by Christmas Eve, I kid you not, this is their statement by Christmas Eve, we, they couldn't punt like punch out something that they would just go their separate ways. So that was it essentially, is this company came about by like them essentially saying, if we don't have a game by Christmas Eve, we're done, which is kind of weird. And so because they're from, um, because they were a bunch of like Asian fans from like Asian esports league and things like that, Netmarble, which I don't know if you've ever heard of Netmarble before, but Netmarble are like one of the, if not the biggest South Korean mobile game makers. So they make tons of mobile games and they have their their fingers in a lot of pies in terms of mobile games that we love and play and things like that. Now, interestingly enough, it's actually not Netmarble. It's a it's a, like a sub like it's a sub company called Netmarble FC. I have I look I I was researching them. I I don't I still to this day don't understand what F like Netmarble FC does differently to some degree. Like it seems like they also make mobile games, which I'm like cool. So the thing is, is that Netmarble here has done some really interesting things with the game itself. So I'm going to read you a Reddit post here, and this will be kind of indicative of what we're all feeling right now. So the title of it is Such Greed, Seven Weeks of, pay of Playing or $90 to, unlocked, to Unlock Ranked in Overprime. So what that means essentially is that Whoa. if we wanted to go play competitive of Paragon, we either have to pay $90 or we have to p play seven weeks to unlock ranked because essentially what it means, why that's the case is because you have to unlock the heroes because there'll be like 10 heroes that you can pick from and there'll be like four bands essentially, right? And so you have to unlock all these heroes to eventually get to the point where you can play the game with other competitive people, right? So it really is quite insane. And so really they did the math here and I just read, I'm just kind of skimming the post here, 
But essentially, so you need 14 heroes to play in ranked in Overprime 10 plus the four four bands. And the whole roster, if you were to buy the whole roster, it's going to cost about $240 to buy the whole roster of heroes. Weirdly enough, that's actually not that much. It's not. It's not. But it is insane nonetheless, right? And interestingly enough, um, Ometa with Predecessor... Uh, a lot of the heroes are already unlocked, like a lot of them. But here's the biggest differences. So I played, I've played now. So a meta released uh, predecessor in December of this year uh, on the first. So this was like about eight days ago, right? Um, Overprime was released yesterday, and they did this big like early access test period where they they showed people the game and all this jazz. And I played over Prime before I played Predecessor. And I was like, oh my goodness, Paragon is back. This is so cool. Um, it felt different. It felt very fast and very like, you know, what have you not. And the other thing too was there's a lot of new heroes. And so the thing is, is there's also competitive play. And there's a lot of other new heroes too that I, I, have, I have never seen before. They might have been in the old Paragon. Like I stopped playing Paragon probably a year before it went under. But um so there's a lot of new heroes out there in the game, which is kind of interesting. They have competitive play, tutorials. It's very fleshed out. Uh, the items are interesting. So there's there's a lot of things for this game. While as Predecessor, on the other hand, you're dealing with a scenario where it's quite bare bones still. Like there's the base heroes that you have. Um, but I mean, it, there's no competitive play, which is like, that's pretty big. So without any competitive play, like... They might have been first to market, but without any competitive play for a MOBA, I mean, good luck. The only way you could probably do it is if you got like those like community driven, you know, competitive like tournaments or whatever established, right? Um, I mean, that's kind of how it started way, way back in the day. Right. <laughs> but I mean, MOBA is an inherently competitive game. <laughs> and so kind of what it is. The thing is, at the end of the day, is um, two two big things. I'll 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 end off the story with these two big things. One, so Steve Superville, who was like he was one of the bigwigs behind the original Paragon, was actually hired by Ometa to work on Predecessor. So he moved from Epic Epic uh, Epic Games to Ometa to work on Predecessor, and then they actually got. Uh, this other guy, which I'm not too familiar with him. I'll just find his name here in my notes. Uh, it's somewhere here. Essentially, he is like a big... Yes, yeah, so this guy's name is Cameron Sundown. And that's like Sundown is his t gamer tag. His last name is not Sundown, but Cameron. And he's actually um, like a big wig work. He was a design analyst on the original Paragon game. And now he is actually going to be... Um, the senior gameplay designer for, for predecessor. So you have a scenario where you have net marble money for, um, or for, um, for overprime, right? So you have net marble money, which is like, that's like 10 cent, right? So you have big amounts of money. And then you have Ometa over here with like some OG Paragon people and about $2 million from, or yeah, give or take $2 million uh, in investor money that they raised uh, on their series A, right? So, I mean, it's really up to anybody at this point as to who went. Like, based on the story, guys, who do you guys think is going to win here? 
I can tell you what the community is thinking right now, but I wanted your take first before I kind of give you the community's perspective of who's winning here. I don't know. It it seems to me like this is a this is a long trail of failures, not a not a sequence of wins. That, that's exactly <laughs> what, I, what I was thinking. Like the original game fails. You've got one of the three studios fails, and I I sort of guess. It's probably going to come down to who's last man standing when the other one fails. I don't know who that's going to be, right? It's it's some of that's just who's backed better. I, you know, I can't speak to it. I I I hate to say it, but it's usually the one that's better backed financially and has more support. That's it, in a contest like this, unless there's just a real qualitative advantage. The so, one has over the other. So, are my kind of getting the idea here that Overprime is probably going to be the winner? based on that marble money. I think that definitely won't hurt unless they decide that like it, it, if the players reject it because they don't like something about it, that it can't be successful. But if the two are relatively similar in valuation, the one that's better supported will continue to have more advantage and it will eventually win. They'll be able to make more changes. They'll be able to do more stuff. They'll be able to keep up with the trends just better. That's, that's a reality of it. And and really the only caveat to that is if the the people with the purse strings figure out something else that they would rather do with that money. Yeah. I I think that, you know, if the economy tanks, both could go down, right? It, sure. It's just one of it's just one of those realities of it. Um, we've been in a very long economic boom for a long time. And a lot of marginal projects, a lot of people throwing money at things, but I I remember the 2000 uh, bust. I had a friend who was working at a, a tech company and, and it's the most amazing thing I ever saw. Every month they were like, here's your million dollars, spend it as quick as you can. And then as soon as the crash happened, the next day they're like, why don't you have any money in the bank? I'm not going to fund you anymore. And they just, they kind of looked at the VC guys and were like, you, you know, what are you thinking? And we did exactly what you told. So the reality is I think Des has a key point, which is that if they decide to put their money somewhere else, but I think one of the things a lot of these companies haven't really paid attention to is right now there's a lot of people in the world with a lot of spendable cash. And there's a lot of games that try real hard to get all that cash. I'll be curious to see how, how they survive in an economy where people have to make some decisions about whether or not they want to spend $100 on some little trivial thing. And I'll be curious to see how that goes. Uh, yeah, that that's the other thing is that these games seem super expensive yeah and and you know mobas in general have always been relatively niche um until you had the battle royale boom the, uh, the weird thing is almost everyone i've known gamer wise is some sort of ancillary or direct experience with it like they know about it but yeah a lot of us of course, I have older friends, and yeah. the reality is, is the older you get, the worse your reflexes are. Those games lose some of their appeal. They just do. But most of my friends played them for a little while and moved on, and that was the reality. When I played I played Dota, <laughs> like the original Dota when it was a, a, a Warcraft 3 uh, custom map for a while, but then I just phased out, and I, never, I haven't really played. <laughs> the OG Dota? So The OG so I, Dota. <laughs> so I played League of Legends, and I did enjoy it, but the problem was is that when I played with my friends, the engine gave you an ELO boost. None of us were very good to start with, and playing as a team together didn't help our situation that much. 
And so we just lost, we just got cream so often. It was, it just lost the fun after a while. And well, that's, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, good. I was just going to say like, that's been my experiences. So one of the things that got me out of the Dota, <clears throat> Uh, got you out of the dota got, sounds, got like a multi, dota. sounds like a multi-level marketing scheme well yeah <laughs> i was so part of the, i was part of the dota guys i got out of it <laughs> i i i was playing we were doing pretty well and then i took a break not like a matter of you know a few months of kind of break like four or six months kind of thing and when i came back everything had changed um and so the heroes and stuff that were good were no longer good and it just like once you're it's hard to get back into because all of these things are dealing with a set of upgrades and and dependencies i don't know exactly i haven't played these two games that we're talking about um, well and here's the big thing that you talk about like which game is gonna have the most amount of backing in terms of finances right but this is actually a very similar story when you look at the kind of core aspects as the scavenger story. Why? Netmarble, what are they in the business of? They are in the business of mobile games. What have we yeah. discussed in length is that mobile games make tons and tons of money. And so when we think about mobile games, right? Like you have a game and it's like you can spend $10 to get a boost, right? Like it's a pay to win game, right? Yep. Yep. But MOBA is not that. If the day, the, the, the second, the, the millisecond, that you that you put in any sort of pay to win mechanic into a MOBA such as Paragon is the day the game dies. That is the day that you nail the the nail, last nail in the coffin of that game. So one of my things I don't like about pay to win is you know competitive balance is always a problem. So I'm I don't understand games with lack of competitive balance just built into them. I don't and, I personally don't get why I would play such a game, but I will say, and this is maybe a subtle thing. One of the things I'll never forget about League of Legends, and I don't know how true this is of this type of game. League of Legends was a lot of fun to watch other people play. It was well designed for a league type of play because it was just the, the setup and the format was such that if you were watching somebody else play the game and they were good at it, you were watching, it was like watching a soccer game or watching a football game or anything. You're watching the best do what they do. And that's really actually very exciting. And I could watch other people play. I don't know how well this format does that, but that's kind of the other little appeal, right? Is that there's there's really kind of a, one of the things about the MOBA is, is they often get into the, um, what are the, the electronic leagues? I forget the names of them, but. Esports. But, the esports, right? They, they're really very conducive. The electronic leagues. <laughs> That's I what we should call them. We should call them the electronic leagues. Could not remember Welcome the name. Welcome to well, the, e the electronic e leagues. Well, okay. Let's be fair. E and that means electronics, right? You're yeah. right. You're right. So, but the uh, but a league format. This is one of the things a lot of mobile games don't have, right? Is a league format where you can sell the best people playing and watch them has its own appeal, right? The so. Competitive balance issues actually take away from that experience. One of the best things about watching the best people play a game is you start with the idea that the difference between group A and group B is their skill and ability, time, and effort. The, if you have group A and group B pay and group B has spent three times as much money on it as A, now they might do that on the back end. You know, it's, it's, Let's be honest, a lot of professional sports are highly imbalanced. 
But when the game actually starts, it's skill on skill. Now, how you build your team and, and all the other stuff, you know, that can be very unfair, but the game itself is skill on skill. And neither side is supposed to have some sort of inherent advantage. And pay to win takes that away. It takes away that entire format. Now, it does give you tons of money. And the reality is if people are willing to pay $10 for some boost, then they're going to stay alive as long as there's 10 people willing to throw the money at it and the servers cost less money. Here, yep. Here's where I see it. Like I said, net, you know, I don't I don't think that there's going to be a pay to win mechanic in, in Paragon. I mean, that would be essentially the death of this game. If if that happened, if if Overprime put some pay to win mechanic in the game, we would be we know who the winner is. Right now, the community favorite, I would say large in part is Predecessor. You're like, "Really? It's more bare bones, but I've played Predecessor and I've played Overprime. Overprime it's quick. It's fast. It's more of a team brawler than a strategic MOBA. The thing, like, so I'll give you an example so that you can kind of understand what I'm talking about. So, for instance, Murdoch, who is a hard carry in the game, um, he's been given some really cool abilities in Overprime. I actually do like him more in Overprime. But how he scales in Overprime is he scales based on crit chats. So his crit is his like main focus that's like one of the big things you can do a lifesteal crit build with him which is interesting but i mean okay yeah fair enough but i love it so much more in um predecessor how his skills are like scaled so he scales so he's a physical damage there's magical damage and physical damage similar to kind of most mobas out there right He's a physical damage carry. So he's car he he scales off of physical damage increases. But what's really interesting is his item build scales off of mana. So the more mana he has, the more chance that he has of his physical damage increasing, which is that's pretty interesting. That's pretty innovative. I I would say like his so essentially it's like you want to build this like physical damage carry and you might say, "Oh, just like increase his physical damage." It's like, actually, the passives of the items you're building with are scaling off of mana, which is, I'm like, that's actually pretty, pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, but the, the thing you have to remember here is that the more innovative version of the game doesn't necessarily win. <sighs> you're right. You're and Overprime <laughs> has net marble money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the money, okay, so there's two factors, right? There's the ability of the game to survive in the market and thrive, which is money-backed. And But there is the point, I think, that CPR is making, which is that nobody plays a game they don't like. So, yeah, but yeah. does nobody like Overprime? Uh, that's, I mean, uh, I don't, obviously that's... It is here. wildly, wildly popular in that's the Asian I, communities. Yes, <laughs> and... As long as it's wildly, wildly popular somewhere, it's probably not going away. But I just like I've heard of Overprime. I have never heard of Predecessor. I think I think I don't play these games very much, but that that says something. Well, you, and you can ha you both can survive, though, right? They, yeah, they, they can. Sizes. Actually, funny enough, remember Dota 2 and League of Legends are both like very close to the same IP. To some degree, if you guys didn't know yep. that. Yep. Um, 
And the interesting (laughs) thing that Lex said, which is quite fascinating. So our predecessor, I would say this is predecessor right now. It's very bare bones, but the, but the, the soul of the game, the game's soul itself is much more rich and much more in depth. Right. But I dare say it probably, I'm afraid that it might lose because simply put, as Lex said, over prime is a lot more fast paced. Right, if you're streaming this game, the brawls yep. happen. They come flying. Like the bra- actually, I kid you not. So my first game, I, I'm not making the story up. Last night I played my first game of Overprime because it came out yesterday. So I'm carrying. Right, I'm playing a Murdoch. I'm, I'm a Murdoch main. I'm carrying, and I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm farming as a good carry should. Right, and I and I hear the like the announcer. It's like it's like friendly killed ally killed ally killed i'm like holy crap like is my team like feeding the other team and i look on the thing i kid you not it was one so that we had one kill they had 16 kills within like 10 minutes and i'm like don't you guys know this is like the farming period like this is the part to farm not not go around and like you know brawl (laughs) apparently no one told them that but that's just it though is it really is a brawler like i play predecessor and it's very strategic and then and then the hard carries come out the junglers come out and it's like oh wow this is this is the true blue moba and 35 to 45 minute matches while you play a game like overprime and it's it's a brawler like the the carry is no longer a hard carry it's more of a like kind of a soft carry like the carry needs to be a lot faster and i would say that the carry needs to be more of a brawler right which it's more interesting to watch, right? If we're streaming this game, Overprime is definitely going to be a lot faster paced than Predecessor. Um, but the biggest it, issue I see here is how how much patience does Netmarble have with Team Soul Eve, right? Because Team Soul Eve is the one making the game, right? So if Netmarble looks at their finances and it's like, okay, Predecessor Overprime is making like a quarter of what I can, what we can make in mobile games. And it's costing us this much more money to make this game. Because as you said, mobile games are a lot easier to make. How much patience does Netmarble have with this game? And what is their goals? And if their goals are all based on mobile figures, right? You know, looking at like that spreadsheet, they're like, all right, this is, this is where we want to be. I, I don't think they're going to hit it. And I think, I think large in part, what's going to happen here unfortunately maybe down the road i'm kind of making my prediction right now i'm calling the shot is predecessor is going to lose a lot of their fan base because Overprime is a higher like faster brawler their esports league is going to be stronger all this jazz that that comes with it but then uh, essentially net marble is going to do a move down the road that people are not going to like and it, they're going to lose a lot of their fan base and so you talk about a calamity of failures this could be the case here, right? This could be the reality that we're about to we're about to land in. One one of the great things about the modern gaming scene is you can be like me and just not be involved in that chaos and just play some of the best games ever made. So, you know, the opportunity it's one of those things that there's plenty of room for small, popular little games. And if 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 predecessor survives on as kind of a small but still profitable game. Yeah, so the better, right? It doesn't well, have to be big. What I suspect, based on on uh, what I we've discussed so far, is I suspect predecessor has a good chance of surviving, but it's going to be small, yeah. and it's going to have this small, dedicated community as long as they keep paying money for it. 
yeah. then the servers will keep running as long as the, the team behind predecessor doesn't overspend. Um, well, here's one other thing that's, I, I would say the ace in the pocket here to some degree. So predecessor isn't free. Predecessor costs about $12 to play right now. So you can get the base package for $12 and go play the game, which to some people like God forbid we pay money to play a game, right? As overprime is free. So overprime is free to play. Uh, now let's let's back up from that. No game is ever free. And I much <laughs> That's why I like you, Lex. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it so drives me crazy. It's like the one thing you should be terrified when you play a game is if it's truly free. Yeah. Because then they are going to basically... My basic take when a game is free is put my hand over my wallet and hold on tight. <laughs> <laughs> I, would just much, I would much rather pay a fee to play a game. Oh, Lex. Know what I'm paying for. Because here's the reality. If you give it to me for free, you're doing it to incentivize me to do something else, right? And it's either advertising, which I don't really like, but I kind of get. There's right? like an advertisement in the MOBA. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, right? It's like you're, you're either, essentially, when if the game is free, you are the, if the game is free, you are not the customer, you're the product, okay? Mm -hmm. So they basically have got to, they've got to turn you into dollars. And I don't want to make everything about monetization, but these games aren't free. They don't, it's, it's not inexpensive to make them. So the notion that somebody's going to spend millions of dollars to make a game and then let everybody play for free is some world we don't live in. And you should definitely be worried. Free to play is a lie. Yep. And it's, it's a marketing term that has no basis in reality. I don't mind playing games inexpensively. I don't even mind playing certain free-to-play games, but I don't consider them free. And uh, is it $12? Is Predecessor $12 one time or monthly? One time. One time. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, That's not enough. Well, yeah, here's the thing about Predecessor is up. Predecessor, I would say what's going to happen down the road, and this is where I was saying it's the ace in the hole to some degree, is Overprime is already kind of shot their shot with free to play right so they're going to get all the free to play players right but then predecessor is going to be maybe the superior sort of like moba experience right and then they go free to play then they go free to play and then like everybody comes over from overprime that they don't want a team brawler anymore they want uh like a more strategic moba experience right and so they might they might go to free to play and i mean funny enough fault that's <laughs> a fault actually did exactly that uh the history went something like i think it cost my i don't know what the money i think if i if i'm correct i might be quoting this figure wrong but i think it was like 20 bucks to play fault and then they went free to play months later right but that's a that's a common strategy in a it is game, right it is there are a number of games that start out subscription or buy ahead of time that they and if you think about it it's complete logical sense the team has built the product the product is there or almost there now, even if you don't make a lot of money on it, if you make it free to play and you get some money, now you get people to play that wouldn't have paid for the game. And then if some portion of those people then start, you know, throwing out their wallet, you're ahead of where you would have been, which is, that's just good strategy. Now, I take that kind of, I've gone from a, a price to free to play as a sign that the game's got a problem. 
it's usually a sign of a dying or a game that was dying or was having significant problems that couldn't survive that way. Hundred percent. And yeah, and switched and and essentially switched to a monetization model that's more, you know, I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff and you buy it. Now that that could be very successful. I, I think Star Trek Online is the game I remember specifically that started out and went to free to play, and frankly, has probably made a lot more money since they did that. Which, of course, makes you know free to play is a lie, but it's still you know it's a term. But yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for discussing this, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Maybe I'll do a part two uh, a year from now, and we'll see what the uh, the end result of this all was and what what really came uh, came about. But essentially. If we've learned anything today, it's to take your hand, wrap it tightly around your wallet, and hang on for dear life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love you, Likes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that is essentially our discussion about uh, the the interesting MOBA market that is Paragon and what's going to happen from... Well, we already know what happened with one of the games, so now we're going to see what happens to the next two and see what transpires from there. 